0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 138 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, and I hope you are all bundling up and staying warm, even as Florida has been doing its best Arctic antics. Yikes, it's been cold. But to be fair, my social media timeline is filled with friends and family in Wisconsin who've been dealing with prolonged sub-zero high temperatures for the day, and they just topped it all off with six to twelve inches of fresh new blizzard condition, blowing snow. So we'll take whatever Florida dishes out to us, won't we, Jeff?
1: Yes. This <laughs> I have all those my relative all my relatives in Chicago and Wisconsin and and they're all writing Saying, hey, any more space in that house that you just <laughs>
0: <laughs> You just renovated. Yeah. I could go for a tent outside. It's yeah, got to be better, exactly. right? And my parents' RV in my backyard signals that it's time to be out of Wisconsin for a while. Yeah. And they've been enjoying the weather, even though we're going, Ah, eh, it's a little chilly. They're going, it's not too bad. Yeah, It's exactly. not too bad. All right. Last week was our second, third week into My, My, My series where we decided that you want your heart to be with God? Put your treasure there with him. It's good advice. Simple, straight to the point. Never miss an episode or anything that goes along with it, including one of our episodes here. If you're in Apple Podcasts, just swipe up. Everything is where you need it to be or hospitalchurch.org slash podcast and everything you need is there. This week, and this one got me, my busy interests eclipse God's party. Mm. And I thought to myself, God wants to do something special for me, but ah, I'm too busy for all that. And how do we apply that? It said we allow urgent, our urgent, to suppress God's important. Yeah, you know, I was sitting down as I heard
1: that comment. I'm going, oh, that (laughs) that
0: hurts. That stings a little.
1: Because most of the time what we do, it feels like anyway, is that we create our urgent things and our priorities. And then we say, God, we want you here. You know, you'll lend some... (laughs) Credibility to it, you'll lend some. Uh, in, in, you know, I think that was sort of the idea when Andy first started talking about the Pharisees who invite Jesus to their party. You know, in the very beginning of his ministry, that was somewhat of a, "Hey, we're you know getting the prominent people here that are popular yeah. among the streets to get to validate my
0: party." And that's how we tend to look at it at times. Yeah, because God, I mean, you're everywhere, so um, you don't really have anything else to do, right? Right. I mean, I can make my plans, and you can certainly make time out of your schedule as being the super omniscient guy, right? It's everywhere all the time. So why couldn't he be here? Oh, I like what you just said there because I hadn't put that together in that context of them early on going, "Hey, let's invite Jesus. This will look good for us because at worst, all we're going to do is embarrass the poor guy, right? (laughs) Because you know he seems a little odd. Maybe we can maybe we can take advantage of this situation." But when we look at ourselves, we're probably not doing anything a whole lot different than that in certain times. But Andy started out by saying the setting is Jesus having Sabbath lunch at the house of a prominent Pharisee. We sometimes have so vilified the Pharisees as to imagine that Jesus was against them. And Jesus wasn't against the Pharisees, but only against their abuse of power, twisted interpretation of Scripture, and inconsistent practice of obedience and the gross hypocrisy that they supported and I thought to myself, ooh, Pharisees again. But appreciated that because Jesus wasn't against the Pharisees and that that really should make me feel pretty good. Yeah. Cuz if he's yeah. not someone, I mean, they publicly ridiculed him on I mean how many occasions and challenged him and we probably do do that in our own ways. And we can look down on the Pharisees and go, "Oh, they were just horrible." and feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then to realize, oh, That's right. Jesus wasn't against them; they were against Jesus.
1: Yeah, you know, when you look at the gospel, you do have, especially the way we tell these stories. At times, we have to have a villain; we have to have a hero, so to speak. And we've always pitted Christ against the Pharisees. They're the ones always out to get him, and he was the one that had to evade, you know. Yeah. But when we look at the stories for real, he's he, he. It's right. This is not his enemy. In a sense, they probably did some things that would make us look like, hey, that's an enemy. Yeah, right, for sure. But yeah, I think when you look at the Pharisees or you look at anybody, we should be looking at these as these are all, uh, I don't want to, because it's a real story, but in a sense, we should look at them as metaphors within our life. At what times do I portray the Pharisee? Yeah. At what times do I portray the publican or the person? <laughs> there's many times that we have to realize that we are those. We are all those people. We all need Christ. The Pharisees needed Christ. And by the way, there's some great Pharisees that became disciples
0: of Jesus. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, so it's not. It's not always a. It's not a death sentence. No. I wrote down while Andy was. I was taking a lot of notes this week. Um, and the first one I wrote down was. <laughs> What questions would Jesus ask us as he did the Pharisees and scribes? I mean, what things have we made and then held dear? What would he expose about us? Because we're, you know, we're thinking about this social media instant argument culture that we live in. And would we as modern Christians, would we engage Jesus as self-assured and as smug as we often find ourselves with others? You know, would we engage him that way? Kind of the way the Pharisees Yeah, you know, set him up on many occasion and here they really don't have an answer because He's asking them, is it
1: okay to... Yeah, he he literally asks them. It's not a metaphor or a rhetorical Uh, question.
0: It's real, and they didn't have an answer. It wasn't part of the parable that (laughs) he went on to talk about, about the feast. But, you know, he's asking, is it okay to to do this? And it was just, it was crickets. In a way, they practiced some self-control there, because maybe they knew that it really was okay and I th- or do, you know what do you think yeah i i think the pharisees were just like a, a lot
1: of us in the sense that if we open this door it's going to get abused so the easiest thing for us to do is keep the door closed because yeah. we don't want people to think That if this is okay, then they're going to take it to the nth degree, and we always do that. We run our, you know, if you grew up as, (laughs) as uh, like I I grew up in, you know, in our denominational schools, I was always so frustrated because it was always set to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, and understand that today, you know, we, we, you know, we, we guard everything because of the one person that'll, you know, take that precedent and, and abuse it. And I think that was the Pharisees. That was just the way they lived, the way they worked. Is we wandered away from God before. We're never going to do it again. So we're going to put boundary upon boundary upon boundary. Boundary. So you never get to that place. So is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? I don't want to answer that. You know, I don't want to answer that because if I say yes, then all of a sudden, all these things will start abusing the Sabbath. You know, it's like the idea of don't want to let people hold hands because that will lead to dancing or, <laughs> you know, right. something like that.
0: Yeah. You know, I thought about where we are as a denomination, like you just mentioned, some of the things that you try to, you know, bro- drop down to the lowest common denominator. And in theory and sometimes in practice, it makes it easy because it's like, all right, you've built your box now. Mm-hmm. As long as you play with inside the box, right? Everybody, right. everybody's okay. And with what's going on within our denomination now with, you know, the, the women's ordination and this the council resolution that was passed, and, you know, there's consequences and there's these kinds of things, and I immediately thought about that, and I thought to myself— Our compliance committee. Right. We have questions and consequences of conscience and compliance, and how would we, as a denomination, as a local church, or even as individuals, how would we react to Jesus— asking and healing of the man with the, with on the sabbath. It's easy to look back and say, "Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus did it, so obviously it's okay because <laughs> he didn't sin, so obviously it was not a problem or a sin to do that on the sabbath." And yet the, here we have these other issues where just like the Pharisees were going, "Wait a minute, this isn't comfortable for us because we've allowed people to go too far outside the box, and now we're building new parameters in a new box to keep everybody in with consequences." It just seems like it's a it's a vicious cycle. That continues to come back, like you said. They didn't want to wander, you know. We wandered, and we don't want to do that again. So we're going to set the parameters. Well,
1: I, I think it's the same thing in a sense. Um, we, and I don't want to get too far off on this, but yeah, I think as a denomination, um, we we feel like there's this thing that we have to protect, and we sometimes call it different things. But I, I you know, I think for the sake of simplicity, I think it's our identity. I think we need to. Find ways in which oh no if we do that 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 um, can you know in a sense dilutes our identity it yeah. it, it um, makes us you know why would we do that when avanists don't do that you is know is that a just sense. a
0: a personal a human trait that we just want to keep up good appearances because uh, that's what we should do because. <clears throat> well, you know, Jesus was perfect, and we should try our best to do that. Is that part of that, or is it just, well, this is uh, is this a Christian thing or a denomination thing? Do
1: you no, think? I don't think it... I, I think it's nature. It's a human nature. I think we very easily jump on... The ability to protect or guard against and it's our defensiveness. Oh my goodness, there if we let too many people in that don't know our you know who what we're really about, people that look don't look like us, people that don't act like this or don't behave like we do. If we let too many of those people in, then you know, that that takes away from what our identity is. And so, what we do is we make information a very high priority. So, yeah, people that come in better know the secret hand, or better know not just the secret handshake. handshake. They need yeah. to know all of the cultural norms that we, you know, adhere to. And they need to assimilate. And and they need to assimilate. Otherwise, yeah. if they
0: don't, uh, they're out of compliance. You know, <laughs> I didn't bring that up to to rub sore spots for certain people that might be listening and say, well, you know, I happen to agree with it. Okay, yeah, but what I I guess what I'm saying is there was so much beauty in what Jesus, in this parable, and what he wants to give you, and where he wants to be with you in your relationship with us individually and as a whole, as a church body, in that when we try to keep that protectionism, we just want to vilify the other side, just like the Pharisees. We want to vilify so you can say, well, uh, I don't agree with these, these new sanctions. But at the same time, we can't ask someone else who believes differently to all of a sudden assimilate or we're going to make enemies. There's um I mean there's a whole lot more to this. And I think
1: first of all Jesus talks about humility in in this context of hey, don't go looking for the best right. seat at the table. Yeah. You know, let somebody else bring you to that. Well, that those are kind of social Niceties that your parents would tell you, right? Yeah, they you know don't just assume that you're going to get the biggest piece here. Let somebody else do that for you, and so forth. But that's not just a good manners. I think what Jesus is trying to say is, is that in His kingdom, there is no place for self-aggrandizing. Right. That this is not about elevating yourself. And we say, well, okay, so it's about elevating Christ. Well, yes, it is. Sure, but in a sense that that's where we start to understand what kingdom life is. Is that when we find that we we can't do anything without <laughs> God? You know, that's yeah. an important piece to understand. That we are in a different posture, yeah. and and, it, and it's important that we understand that. I, I do want to just really quickly say, though, that a lot of times what we end up doing is we end up making some we end up making our priority or the things that we think are important as becoming the highest, highest. piece absolutely and in a community and i and i think we have to understand that there are that it's not a anarchy that where everything goes anything right. goes and people sometimes wonder that about especially our church they say oh you're a liberal church or you're a church sure. that allows anything and anything can happen and that's not true even though it, it may look like that to somebody Some on people, the outside sure. community is is a very precious commodity and we can't just allow community to be just free for all so right. when people come in Like we said before, oh, what are you going to do with people that don't think the way you do? For the sake of protecting the community, there are times when we do have to say, okay, this looks like a a wolf in sheep's clothing. And we do need to guard the community in that regard.
0: The more I thought about this message and what Christ's invitation is and how busy we are and all the other stuff that we can let get in the way. And then after all of that, if you're still going to say, well, yeah, that's really great, but you know, you're a Pharisee or you're this and you're that. It's like there's no time, right. you know we we have to prioritize enough to say, let's let God work this out. Let's keep this dialogue open. Let's be open about this, and let's let's figure out how we can work together because when he's telling these people, you know he's telling this parable, and I'm just I'm thinking through my head of people that are just missing that point saying, well, yeah you got invited, but you had this to do and you had that to do. And I love how Andy said, these were all things that everyone would have known about. Right. You know, these were not unexpected. Like, well, you didn't know you were getting married or you didn't know you were purchasing this land and we just prioritize. And it's just one more way that I feel like we just turn people away.
1: Yeah. I do think that's the piece that gets missed is that the common denominator is not our own interest, the yeah. common denominator is presence of Christ. And, and that's where, when, you know, Jesus is at this party, you know, and there's, here's the Pharisees and here's a lame man. And here's, you get this idea that there's a lot of different types of people here <laughs> yeah, at this part. And, and then Jesus, you know, tells this parable about not just the who's, who's of the community are coming. He just goes out and go out and invite everybody. everybody yeah, And so you go, whoa, everybody, everybody's coming to this banquet. And you start to realize, oh, yeah, the thing that we have in common That's is it. not our social status, not our ability to you know do certain things. Our common denominator that joins us that all joins is Christ.
0: Us. Well, yeah. and I think it's our perceptions. I mean, how many times have you been invited to something and you're like, oh, gosh, they're standing right here. What am I going to do? Tell them no. Yeah. And you say yes and you don't really want to go and you're like, oh. I know what this party is going to be. It's going to be this and this person and this person, and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And you get this all <laughs> planned out in your head of what's going to happen. You go, I don't want to go. And for some reason, you're like, Well, I said I'm going to go, so I'm going to go. And you end up having the absolute best time ever. You come back and go, Man, I saw so and so. I saw so. I got to talk to this person. I haven't, you know, I haven't talked to them in forever. I met this person. Did you know they were, you know, this, 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 this. And then you almost feel like you get a divine appointment where you ha- just had to say yes. It wasn't about what your perceptions was. It wasn't about what you thought was going to happen. And you didn't necessarily know that God said you should really be here. But maybe it was God answering yes for you when the words came out of your mouth. You get a blessing on the other end. And I think that's the part we miss, too, when you're just busy, where you have your pre- your perceptions of people like, I wouldn't go to that. And then when you do, you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, That's happened a lot to me. I do sometimes wonder, though, did this
1: parable, was this just directed to the extroverts? Because, you know, (laughs) because they're all, all the introverts are going, No way. I'm I'm not going to to that party (laughs) either. I understand.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that takes us into one of our FHE takeaways that asked, Who do you want to understand that they are welcome here in the church, at the table, at the banquet? And, I love this question because it's one of the it's one that's always at the forefront of my thinking. This question is why I believe that our message and, more importantly, our actions here at the Hospital Church of defining love as being in service of others and being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving our community, is absolutely so crucial. Things like our annual barn party, the podcast, are ways that we try to engage our community with non-traditional church ways of connecting that requires more of them than it does of us. With this, traditional church requires them to come and understand us, assimilate, know what we're about, and and decide whether you want to be a part. And these methods bring things to them on an invitation to connect personally and allows the Holy Spirit to engage through planted seeds of friendship, community, and commonality. I think that's where we've really, where sometimes people look at certain things we do and say, man, that's just way out there but it's an invitation to come in. And as a former church exile, reaching anyone who has been hurt, disenfranchised, or simply not introduced properly yet to Jesus of the Bible, not religion. That's my passion. So ask yourself who you know that you want to understand that they're welcome to God's church eternally to this banquet and pray for them this week that the Holy Spirit can use you in that capacity. It's so important.
1: I think that a lot of times our excuses get pretty lame after yeah. a while you know much like the parable suggested and if if we really really want to get honest i think that's an important piece is to to find hey where am i what what is it that's really going on inside that's that's making me resist you yeah know,
0: so i think so well and i think too when you look at jesus life and the way he engaged people and how he was always on the wrong side of tradition mm-hmm. or of, of the religious tradition of his time I think it still speaks to us that, you know, not to say that, well, if you're, if you got everybody mad, you're doing something right. I think that's probably too broad or just maybe a little too crazy. But at the same time, when you are truly engaging people, there's got to be room for conversation. There has to be room for growth. And I think that's what Jesus did. He would bring people to him and give them that invitation. You know, he didn't take everyone and just go baptize them that day there was an invitation to live and to walk and to be with him. And I think we have to kind of take that and be the same way, give a little room to get started and to let them see the Jesus that we know and the reason that we're sharing it in the first place.
1: Yeah. The whole purpose of him writing, I mean, writing to us, I mean, we have it through scripture, is that he just wants to be with us. I mean, who, who doesn't... I mean, that's in our nature. If if it's not in—if you've got a difficult time trying to understand this, but belonging is a longing of every human being. I think it's implanted in all of us to to belong.
0: And whether people realize it or not, through the Creator, there's that peace that wants Him. Yeah. And there's the peace that only He will fill— that will always be a void without that. And it's hard to relay that to someone who's been hurt. It's hard to, sure, yeah. or, or those things. But when people ask me that I used to know at a different point in my life and they're like, Oh geez, you're, you go to church and you do, you, geez, you're a Christian. Ugh, how, did, yeah. how does that, how does that relay? And I'm like, I'm not saying I've got all my stuff together. You know, I'm just, I'm no different than you. We're all the same. It's just, this is how I'm choosing to live my life. But I'm like, you'll notice that I'm a different person. And that's just because God has changed me. It's nothing I've done. And I'm way happier. I know you don't think that because we don't do the same things, but, you know, God really can and does and still invite people to to change and to be with him. It's
1: always an open
0: invitation. Always an open invitation. As always, we're out of time. But our final thoughts from Andy's message says, we have the privilege of inviting hungry people to a banquet. It's a banquet no one deserves or has a right to... But praise God we are invited, and we don't bring any contribution to the banquet. God pays for it all, and all you and I can do is come and receive it freely and spread the word, inviting others to join us. And that's <laughs> uh, that's pretty awesome. So upcoming this week is uh, the next installment, which is, My Gift is Proportional to My Blessing? Yeah. Is this tithe and offerings? Yeah. I- <laughs> I think we just have to wait and see. see? <laughs> <laughs> we won't even go there. All right, that's going to do it for this week. One quick reminder, I'm going to keep doing this until we actually get there. Don't forget to register for Church Retreat. It's earlier this year. If you haven't heard, February 15th through the 17th at Kalakua. Registration's been open for a month already, and yeah. I know it's starting to fill up. It's coming up. And also, just remember, you have to get on to the website first, hospitalchurch.org slash retreat to get your meal tickets. Even if you're only coming for the day, they're not going to sell them that day. And then you're yeah, gonna that's to, a
1: big piece this year.
0: Something that's changed from years past. If you have any questions, Tammy, T-A-M-I, at hospitalchurch.org, and she can help fix any problems you might run into. I've seen her do it. I know she can. Right, Jeff?
1: I'm not
0: going to comment
1: on that either. Is there anything
0: she can't she can, fix?
1: She, she can fix so many things. That's what
0: I'm talking besides
1: about. Besides church retreat
0: <laughs> <items>. <laughs> Uh See, he loves you, Tammy. Yep. He loves you. So join us again next Wednesday for episode 139. Thanks for listening and have a great week.